Okay, so good morning. We're here again. Nice to see everybody. We're here to learn Parsha Snoyach. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, again, if you if you if you're on the email list, you can you can um, <coughs> uh, look uh, look at your email where I sent a source sheet uh, through Stanley's uh, reply uh, replying all to one of Stanley's distribution lists. If you uh, if you can access that. If somebody's a real whiz and they want to put the link to it up in the chat box, um, that's fine. But for me, I'd have to go back to university in order to figure out how to do that. So I'm not going to even try. But um, the the uh, the last couple of weeks, last couple of times that we got together, we talked about Pasuk Yud Gimel, where HaKadosh Baruch Hu describes the end of all flesh, that he's going to, and last week specifically, he's going to destroy them, Esa Oretz, along with, he's going to destroy them from the earth, he's going to destroy them along with the earth. Last week we talked about the idea of the earth being for a specific tachlis, for a specific purpose. Uh, and, as the, and the world's corruption means that the world no longer deserves, in that sense, to exist. Today we go on to Pasuk Yodalid, where Hashem gives Noyach a mitzvah, Make for yourself a teva of gopher wood. Kinim tases teva. You should make the the teva with different floors. And you should coat it inside and out with tar, with pitch. So today, what we're going to focus on is the mitzvah that Noach had to make for himself a teva. Why was Noach instructed to make for himself a teva? All the different things that could be uh, that could be factors here all of the different possible pathways of salvation. In Rashi's words, which we will study shortly, There are many different ways that HaKadosh Baruch Hu could have saved the world. Why did HaKadosh Baruch Hu choose that Noach should make for himself a teva? That's going to be one subject which we're going to discuss today. And a second subject we're going to discuss today was, is what Noach did not do. Okay, and the two, those two discussions will overlap. We will not complete the first discussion today. I don't know if we ever complete any discussion, but we will determine it. We, we, will, we will specifically not conclude the first discussion today. And, uh, and let, us, let us therefore now begin to, to, to start on that discussion and to say, so why did HaKadosh Baruch Hu do it? We could think of other options. What other options could you think of that HaKadosh Baruch Hu could have saved Noyach? Maybe he could have had him go to a tall mountaintop and to, and to uh, have him be on a cave that would be up there. That could be option number one. Option number two could be that Hashem could uh, send down a big bubble and Noyach and all the animals would step into the bubble, a UFO, right? And it would take off. Right, find its way to New Mexico, and and Noach would have been fine and saved and saved, you know, saved up there. There could have been all kinds of ways that that Hakadosh Baruch Hu could have saved Noach, but instead Hashem instructs him that he should make for himself a teva. What would be the reason for this? So I want to start, even though it's a much later generation, it's nineteenth century, the Beis Halevi, Rav Yosef of Halevi of Brisk the Soloveitchik of Brisk, I want to start with, with his idea, which is something that we have learned together before, parts of what the Beis HaLevi said we learned together before, but it's very related to the last words of the previous Pasuk. What's the, what are the last words? I'm going to destroy them, Es Haoretz, which we said I'm going to destroy them, Rashi had two pshatim, one pshat was from the earth, the other one is along with the earth. I'll destroy them along with the earth. And if you remember, we learned in Rashi in last week's Parsha that in the Mabul, even the three Tfachim of Omek Macharesha, to which the, play, the, the plow blade reaches, also had to be washed away. The idea being that the corruption of the atmosphere that was created by Chet, that was created by Sin at the time of the Mabul, was deep. It had to be taken, it was like the mold, you know, like we said, it had to be taken down to the studs. And the world had to be completely destroyed and, you know, in that way and started again. And part of that is 
the corruption which pervaded the world. Remember what we learned when we had before Kimola Haaretz Kate's Kolbos. Excuse me. Um, what does it say before? It says Vayemer Lakim Lenoyach Vayaratim Saretz Kihish His Kolbos Haaretz Darkel Haaretz. All flesh had corrupted their ways upon the face of the earth. So what does it mean, all flesh, even animals? Even animals were mating across breeds, which is the, the application of immorality in the animal kingdom. So the question is, how did that happen? And the Beis HaLevi described, if you remember, that there's such a thing as environmental damage, spiritual environmental damage, environmental impact that when people do things, it's not just, okay, I did a good thing, I did a bad thing, I get reward, I get punishment. Or I did a good thing, I make myself better, I did a bad thing, I make myself worse, chas v'shalom. But rather, when we do things, we also create a spiritual energy within the world. And the actions which one person does affect other people. And the Beis HaLevi went on a very lengthy discussion about this idea, about how that works, that people affect each other. He spoke about how the tzaddik takes his portion and the portion of his friend in Gan Eden, and the Rosh heaven forbid, takes his portion and the portion of his friend in Gehenim, because the righteous person helps others, helps create the energy that bring others, brings others along to be able to also, to be able to also do mitzvahs. And heaven forbid, the wicked person creates the energy that brings others along not to do mitzvahs, to do, to do averos. And therefore, to some degree, each person is responsible for that which others do. We learned in the Beis HaLevi as well about that famous chazal that at the end of life, the, the, the beams and the bricks in a person's house will come and testify about their behavior. What's the idea? Because it becomes literally soaked in to those environmental elements. Well, the Beis HaLevi says here that this is the reason why Noach had to make a teva. Because Noach was someone who was really subject to all of this. Writes the Beis HaLevi, you know, we have this comparison which is made in the beginning of the Parsha. Rashi makes between Noach and Avram. Noach walked with God. Avram walked before God. And the Beis HaLevi says, you know, Noach was in this generation and this generation had immorality, which as we saw was pervasive. One person affected another. And Noah was subject to that. And so he was a tzaddik in his generation, despite what was going on in his generation. He managed to maintain sitkus. He managed to maintain righteousness. But it was not a simple thing for Noah to be able to do that. And so for Noah, in order for Noah to be saved, in order for Noah to have his salvation he needed to have a new and rarefied environment. The teva had to be created. The teva was a bubble. Okay? The Beis HaLevi doesn't explain why Noah had to create it, as opposed to why didn't Hashem just do it as a miracle. But what he's explaining is why Noah couldn't escape to a mountaintop. Why Noah couldn't just, you know, why Hashem couldn't create some little spot on the earth where Noah would be and there he could be saved with an air pocket or with a high, you know, in a high spot that he uh, that he and all of the creatures of the world would be saved. And he explains as follows: I'm going to read a little bit from the Beis Halevi. Al Noach Omar Kasher Osu the third line in the quotation. There, 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 there are people who create evil. Ish Domimumirma he calls is the master of evil, the creator of evil. By Noach it says, Like they did, so did I. Noach had to make a significant effort on his own. And had he been left to his own, all of his choices would have been good. But he was impacted by others. And whatever shortcomings Noach had, he had environmentally. And therefore Hashem granted him a kindness and he said, you and your whole house should come into the Teva. When he leaves them and he enters the Teva, he'll be righteous. Says the Beis HaLevi, the Teva was like another world. 
והקדוש ברוך הוא שומרי לתיבו לאוויר שבו שלא ייכנס לו הרע הנמשך בטבע ממעשיהם הרועים. השם preserved the teva and its atmosphere that it should not be impacted and affected by the bad deeds of the people that were around. ועלכי נשאר צדי כלומר. וזהו שאומר הכוסוב אני ברב חזדך אובי ועשך זו הטבע. The Pesach Chazal Darshan and I, Barov Chazduch Hashem, with your great kindness, I enter your house. What's that referring to? That's referring to the Teva. Well, you say, when do you and I say that? When we walk into Shul, right? You and I, with your great kindness, I come into your house. Noyach said that when he entered the Teva. Why? Because it maintained its Kedusha, the corruption of the people of the generation did not, uh, did not affect it. And he brings a Zayra Kodesh. A tower, a fortress of strength, the name of God, there will run the Tzaddik and the upright one. It was because he was there. It was because he was there that, that he was able to maintain his tzidkus. The, the, the Beis HaLevi goes on, and he says that's the contrast with Avram. That was the contrast with Avram. Noach had to, had to struggle against his generation. However, Avram Avinu didn't. Noach had to be separated from his generation in the Teva in order to remain a tzaddik. But Avram Avinu was there, he stood up to others. There were great Rishoyim, there were Nimrod and his contemporaries. And the greater the Rishoyim, the greater the Rishoyim, the greater the reward for Avram Avinu. In fact, he interprets, that's what the Mishnah says in Pirkei Ovis, Avram Avinu kulam. Right, there were ten generations which were angering Hashem until Avram Avinu came along and received the reward against them all. Meaning that Avram Avinu stood up to them, was able to go and contrast himself with them and compete with them, and that was Avram Avinu's greatness. So we come back now to, again to our question and let us briefly state approach number one. The question was, of all things to save Noach, why did Noach need a teva? And the answer that we are suggesting, answer number one, is that the reason why Noach needed a teva was because the 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 very context of the Mabul, the idea that we see in the Mabul, that the entire world had to be destroyed, that even animals were corrupt, speaks about the pervasive evil and the effect that that evil was having on everything that was there in the world. And so in order for Noah to be pulled from it, in order for the whole world to be destroyed and for Noah to be able to manage, you needed to have a substitute world temporarily, while this world would be scraped clean, taken down to the studs, brought back to its original, original um, uh, situation of creation before any form had been given to it, covered with water from top to bottom, as we talked about last week, so that the world could be recreated in holiness. And in the meantime, Noach was placed in a home of Voive Secha, a rarefied atmosphere, a sanctuary of sorts that Noach builds that will be preserved, whose atmosphere is going to be guarded and protected by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's the, uh, that's the world that Noach builds here at this point in time, and that's why the Teva is the method of salvation. That's approach number one to this question. Okay? I, I see that there are a couple of comments that came through here. What does it say? Okay, so there's a question about why gopher wood. Why would it be gopher wood? So God willing, Jack, Bezos Hashem, next time, hopefully next time, we're going to talk about why it would be, why it would be gopher wood. And um, I just also want to note that I got my own cup of tea. There was no gopher this week. Sorry. Okay. Let's go now 
to approach number two. Why did Noach have to make a teva? And this approach is an approach which is taught to us by Rashi. Says Rashi, there are so many ways that HaKadosh Baruch Hu could have saved Noach. So why did he make him bother with this elaborate construction project? Explains Rashi. Because Noach built the Teva for 120 years, right? You remember the calculations in Parshas Bereshis, at the end of Parshas Bereshis, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I'm going to destroy the world in yet 120 years. And that warning was then, and that's when he instructed Nayach. According to Rashi, that's when he instructed Nayach. It's a little bit of a chidush, because of course, it says, and Nayach gave birth to three sons. And as we know, the first son that Nayach had, he had 100 years before the Mabel. So that means, if, he, if this instruction was given yet 120 years before, at the very beginning, so then it was given to him before he had those, before he had those children. Right? The other option is that it was given to him with much advance warning, but not necessarily 120 years of, uh, of advance warning. But in any case, building a ship like the Teva requires time, and it requires effort, and it requires a very large driveway. Right, Noach had a big project which was going on in his driveway. And people saw it. V'shel and I say, and they asked him, What are you doing? And he said to them, Hashem's going to bring a mabul to the world. I'm bringing, building this teva to preserve myself and part of creation. Samples of all of creation. Ulai yashuvu. Perhaps they will do tshuva. Says Rashi, the reason why Hashem had Noach build the Teva was for it to be a prop, for it to be something that would call people's attention to what he was doing and therefore to why he was doing it. And so instead of standing in a park with a, what do you, what do you call it when you have those boards in front and, and in back of you? There's a word for it. I'm Placard. the, uh, Placards. Placards. Placards and there's whatever, something even, yeah, with a placard that says the world is coming to an end. No, sandwich a sandwich board, right? So, 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 it's on both sides, right? So, so, um, so Noach would, Noach built a teva, and the teva was an announcement the world is coming to an end. We have to save ourselves. There's a way to save ourselves. Perhaps they could do tshuva. Perhaps they would be able to be tshuva, do, do, do tshuva. So, according to Rashi, according to Chazal, Noach had a task. When he was given this instruction, it wasn't absolute, it wasn't definitive that the world was going to be destroyed. It wasn't any more absolute or any more definitive that when Yonah, that, that, uh, that when Yonah said that in 40 days Nineveh will be overturned. And 40 days later, Nineveh was overturned, except it wasn't overturned physically, it was overturned spiritually. They had reversed themselves, and so it didn't have to be destroyed. So maybe as well, this warning would also be the same. Maybe instead of Kate's kolbosor being the end of all flesh in the ominous sense, but it could be the Kate's that we yearn for, like we discussed a couple of weeks ago. What an amazing term that is, Kate's. Does it mean the end in the ominous sense? Or does it mean the end in the happy ending? And they lived happily ever after. Which one is it? It could have been either one. And maybe if they had listened to Noach and they would have done tshuva, then things would have changed. And Noach was being given here a tool to be able to get their attention so that they would do tshuva. And that's an amazing thing it implies again that it could have changed. And it also, however, gives us great pause because, uh-oh, so Noach built the Teva and he had the tool of bringing them to do tshuva for 120 years or however long it did take him to build the Teva. And how successful was he at getting them to do tshuva? Not at all. Zero. He didn't bring one additional person with him into the teva. Now that's pretty intense. 
That represents a remarkable, remarkable failure, it would appear, on the part of Noyach. As we said, we're starting the discussion. We're not concluding the discussion today. But as you're going to see, as we will come back to a little bit later today, as I said to you, we're going to speak about two things. We're going to speak about why the method of the Teva as the method of salvation, the building of the Teva as the method of salvation was chosen. We're also going to talk about what Noach did not do. And here in this question, or in this answer to the question, we raise the second question. Okay, in other words, we have start with question one, why a Teva? And Rashi is giving us an answer to that, because the Teva gives the chance to be able to show that uh, I'm doing something because something's about to happen. And therefore, it puts on display the situation, the story of the world and its development, and it gives Noach a narrative. It gives Noach a chance to be able to talk and to be able to bring people back. That's a reason to have it. Which leads us to the second question, which is, okay, and therefore, if he was given such an excellent prop to deliver such a serious message, why was he unsuccessful? Big question. Serious question. Put the question on hold. Okay? Good? Everyone okay? Good. Now let's learn the Ramban. So I'm going to go back one moment. Please. Um, Given that it was a monumental failure, surely it wasn't, forgive me for saying it this way, but it wasn't the greatest design idea either. Why do you say that? Because it, 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 over 120 years, all the people who would have, would have seen him in his driveway and it brought no one along, it, 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 was, in an, it was an ineffective advertisement. It was ineffective if it would just be an advertisement by itself. Right. You know, it, right. it, if, if an advertisement by itself will not be able to necessarily do the trick. So we have to look and understand why it was ineffective. If HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave it to him, he was giving a tool in the hands of a person, and that would work. You know, I've mentioned to you, you guys many times, I think, that uh, for many years, for decades at this point, if you will drive to Deep Creek, Maryland, you know, to Western Maryland, on the side of the road, somewhere along the way, on the right side of the highway when you're going towards Deep Creek, Maryland, there is a big sign and the hulk of a boat... And it says, Noah's Ark being built here. It's from some, next to, next to a church of, of sorts. And it, what it's doing is, is it's giving that advertisement. The world is coming to an end. They're just a little bit more gentle. I'm building this ark. How many people who drove past that do you think chuckled? And how many do you, do you think did tshuva? And how many didn't even understand what he was saying? <laughs> you know, I don't know how many people did shuva. Um, now, again, was, was that people saying the world is coming to an end? I don't know. There are lots of ways, what reasons why you could believe it. Would, would a teva help? I don't know. But you understand that, again, just putting up the sign, it's just like walking by that guy in Central Park is not going to mean anything to you. Yeah? The tool is a tool, but you need someone to handle the tool. And somehow, it didn't work. Maybe it's testament to how stubborn and horrible the people of Noah's time were. Or maybe, and therefore, you know, here we're showing, we gave you a chance, we demonstrated. Sorry, Charlie, you showed that you couldn't learn from anything. It was a perfect tool, but you were lousy customers. Alternatively, it could be the case that um, maybe Noah was missing something in his approach. We'll have to see. Let's now go on to the Ramban. The Ramban is not right here on this Pasuk, which is Pasuk Yodalad. It's, uh, it's on a Pasuk a few verses later, where Noach is instructed not just to go into the Teva himself, but to take every kind of living thing with him into the Teva. And about this, the Ramban has a problem. And let's read the Ramban. Pasuk Yotes Perek Vav. Yodua ki achayes rabbis ma'ayit. 
Everybody knows there are lots of kinds of animals, and some of them are very, very large. Ke, for example, ke pilim, like elephants. Ukireemim, and like uh, a reem is is a, I forget what it's called. What 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 it what it translates as? It's a large, like a like a um, a, a large animal. Uvezulasa. And those things that crawl over the face of the earth are many. For Yalta had to save the birds. He says there are like infinite numbers of species of birds. As Chazal said, The Gemara says, there are 120 varieties of the ayah. Right? And ayah is perhaps a vulture. There are 120 varieties of this non-kosher species. And of kosher species, innumerable. Right? And that's why the Torah lists the non-kosher ones right? as, the, as its method, because it will be much shorter. You can't list all the kosher ones. Writes the Ramban, not only did you have almost what seems to be, what seems to almost be an infinite number of species, many, many, many species. And you need two of each in order to be able to, um, to have them reproduce, even the one which is over Shlomo David Friedman's uh, shoulder, right? You need <laughs> all of them to be there. And, he says, and you need food for them for a year, for each and every one of these. Says, the Ramban, the Teva was very big, right? Shlosh meos ama, 300 amos, orech ha-teva, 300 amos, the length of a Teva, you know what that is. Let's say it's six, 500 feet, right? 600 feet, right? That's a, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's two football fields. That's long. And it's chamishim ama it's 50 amos wide. How wide is a football field? 50 yards. 50 yards. Okay, so it's a little narrower than a football field. Okay, so chamishim amarachba. And it's very big, but he says, but it's not big enough. He says 10 of these would not be able to hold all of these animals and the food they need for a year. Avalunes. It was a miracle that they all fit in. That's what the Ramban writes. But now the Ramban turns to a question, which to some degree is our question. If it's too small anyways, why couldn't he just build a rowboat? In other words, if he's going to build something which isn't big enough in any case, so build something which is very modest. The first answer the Ramban brings is Rashi's answer. And he says, it's true. It's not like this takes care of it naturally. And since it didn't take care of it naturally, it could have been done with a much smaller effort. But it made a larger effort because this would call attention. If you're building a rowboat, you don't get that much attention. If you're building the Queen Elizabeth in your driveway, then you get attention, right? And you, for obvious reasons, I did not choose the Titanic, right? So, so uh, if you're building that in your driveway, so then you don't, uh, you don't get so much attention, and this would bring attention and would be a tool, the Yasu Tshuva. So that's the Ramban's first answer to his question. And then the second thing the Ramban says is that the reason why it was made so big was because the bigger they made the teva, the smaller it made the miracle. Writes the Ramban, what we find in the Torah and Tanakh is that even if a miracle has to be performed, Hashem allows us encourages us to do whatever we can. And whatever we can't, that's done in the hands of heaven. Whatever we can't, that's done in the hands of heaven. Says the Ramban, 
there's a value here to the human effort. Now this Rambat could be understood as saying that, look, you know, HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants to hide himself within the world. So the more things that people do, the more Hashem is hidden. You remember that famous story that the Gemara tells about a person, Rachman al-Atzlan, whose, whose wife died and he had twin babies. And he, didn't have, he was a poor person. He, didn't have, he couldn't hire anybody. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave that man the ability to nurse the babies himself. So some, the initial reaction people said was, wow, how, how amazing this person is, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu changed the order of Bereshis for him. And then the Gemara says, they replied and they said, no, how unfortunate this person, that Hashem had to change the order of Bereshis for him. It's better to try to stick within the, the program of the world. So therefore, this Ramban could be understood that Hashem wants to stay as much within the program of the world as possible, as much within nature, as much within nature as, uh, as, as possible. I think that some of you may know that the name Elohim, what's the gematria of the name of Hashem of Elohim, Bereshis Baro Elohim, right, is 86, right? Aleph is 1, Lamed is 30, 31, Yud is, is 10, right? Is 41, Hey is 5, 46, and Mem is 40, 86. You know what else is Gematria 86? Hateva. Exactly. Hateva. The nature. Right? Hey, 5 plus Tes is, uh, is 14, plus Bez is 16, plus Ayin is, is 70, 86. Hashem, in the order of creation, created a world of nature. And deviation from that is mamish recreation. It's recreation. At, at, at the story of Pesach, there were ten miracles, ten makos, which correspond to the ten statements of creation, because the story of Pesach was Hashem revealing Himself, revealing Himself within the world. The story of the Mabul is interesting. Yes, Kol Hashem the voice of Hashem is heard over the waters. Hashem la mabul Yoshev. Hashem. Hashem was enthroned in the mabul, and Hashem sat as the king forever. But do you describe it as miraculous? I mean, the, 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 the flood is miraculous, in a sense, of course. The salvation is miraculous, in a sense, of course. But in another sense, it was hidden in the efforts of, of Noach. How many elephants and their food for a year can you fit into a Volkswagen? Right? You know, like if, if, if he would have created a little tiny boat, so then it would have been some kind of a candid camera spoof. Come on. It's an obvious miracle. But, you know, at what point, when you have a ship of the dimensions of a football field, at what point do you say, oh, this thing is going in, that's ridiculous, that's crazy, it can't go in. I mean, it's step after step after step after step. It's almost like the way nature works. You know, the story of Purim is considered to be an, a hidden miracle. Why? Because if you watched any few minutes of it, you didn't see anything outstanding. It's only when you watch the whole thing at once, if you watch the whole thing at once, so then you see something which is astounding. But the nature of it is that you don't watch the whole thing at once. And it's the same thing with a very, very big Teva. You know, <laughs> you know if, if it's a Volkswagen, if it's a little rowboat, you just watch the elephant go and you say, what's going on here? There's a miracle. Right? But here, you could be watching for hours and still not see anything unusual. You'd have to watch for days and hold it together without going to sleep to say, hey, one second, what's going on over here? That hides the miracle. It hides the miracle. You know what else it does? It makes the hand of man as a greater participant in this process. And here, I want to just ask you to think about the second answer as a third answer. What does that mean? Okay, answer number one was, I'm sorry, this third answer as a fourth answer. Answer number one was environmental. The reason why there had to be a teva was because he needed to be in a completely different world. It doesn't explain why Noah had to build it. 
It just explains why it has to be a, a, a separate cocoon. Answer number two of Rashi was, Noach has to engage in this project because it invites attention. And the Ramban also brought that interpretation. Answer number three, the Ramban says, is that by Noach building the teva and building a large teva, it's making it less of an open miracle. Now that might be so that Hashem could hide himself behind it, or it could be something which we can't ignore here, which is that Noach is building this world. Noach is not passive that Hashem says, and the winner is Noach. Noach is the only one of all mankind who's not going to be destroyed. And the winner in the elephant category is Babar, right? And the winner in the lion category is Simba, or whatever it is. You know, whoever, whoever manages to win, right? George wins in the monkey category. Whatever we're going to, 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 um, to, 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 to figure out, and then they get swooped away and taken away in a trip for 14 days, or in this case a year, to Hawaii, you know, where they're going to be saved. No. Noah was given a job to build the world. God said, I might destroy it but you have to build it. And you understand? You could take the Ramban as going to general categories and say, okay, there's a general category. Hashem hides himself in nature. So to whatever degree, during this cataclysmic story of the flood, he also hid himself in nature. He says, I'm not going to save it. Let it be more natural causes that save Noach and his family. But on the other hand, the other side of it, the other possibility of it is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is saying, I'm not going to do this. I created the world once. And I put people in it. And they ruined it. I'm going to let them create it this time. If they created, are they as likely to destroy it? Arguably, if they create it, they're much less likely to destroy it. Maybe that's the svara. You could think of other possibilities. But I will bring you an indication of this. It's, it's source 5 on your sheet. It comes from Parshas Kisisa, Perak Lamedalet, Pasuk Aleph. Hashem said to Moshe, I want you to carve out two tablets of stone, like the first ones. And I will write on those luchos, the words that were on the original luchos that you smashed, that you broke. This is the transition from luchos rishonos to luchos shnios, from the first tablets to the second. The first luchos were completely made by the Rabbana Shalom. Moshe Rabbeinu went up on Tarsinai empty-handed. He went up empty-handed and HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave him tablets inscribed. Moshe Rabbeinu smashed those tablets at the foot of the mountain. And then, after Moshe Rabbeinu prayed for tshuva for the Jewish people, HaKadosh Baruch Hu consented and he said, now you carve out two stones, I'll do the writing on them. But you carve them out, you bring me up two tablets Right, and call me in the morning. That's what the Rabbana Shalom said. Those luchos still exist. They're still there. They're in that lost ark, whatever it is. Right, but they're still there. The first luchos were smashed. Hashem made them. We quickly violated them. We essentially smashed them. The second ones, which we made, weren't smashed. Hashem appeared on Harsinai to the Jewish people. We did the Egel. The presence of Hashem was in our midst. Then Hashem gave us a mitzvah. What was the mitzvah? If they will build for me a temple, I will come and I will dwell in their midst. We make it, and he will come. 
Does Har Sinai still have Kedusha? No. The Mishkan, the the Mishkan has a Kedusha which is eternal. There's a pattern. There's arguably a pattern here that has to be seen and considered. You get it? You think about it some more. But this is this is a, a significant facet here that we have to recognize and we have to revisit that Noah is the builder of the new world as opposed to the first world which was built by God and occupied and then ultimately destroyed by man the second world is built by man. Okay, that's a within the Ramban, third approach, fourth approach however you want to count it. Now, this is only part of the story that we want to discuss today. There's something else we want to speak about on this Pasuk. The Mepharshim will discuss this on this Pasuk. Um, and, uh, and uh, you know, discuss what we just discussed here, what he did have to do, but let's talk about what he didn't do. Right here on these psukim asks, so why is Hashem letting Noach in to all of the upcoming plans of the destruction of the world? And the answer is an easy one. What's the answer? <laughs> because he has to tell Noach to make a teva that's going to save the world. Ask the Arachayim HaKadosh a question. Now again, this question precedes Arachayim HaKadosh by many, many, many generations. However, I'm quoting it to you from the Arachayim HaKadosh. You'll see why. The Arachayim HaKadosh remarkably says his own approach here. Different than the Zohar HaKadosh. But his question is the following. A question which is noted by the Zohar HaKadosh. And that is, why did Noach not look to do charity with his contemporaries why didn't he daven to Hashem for them Hashem says I'm going to destroy the world why didn't Noach stop and intercede and daven to the Rabbana Shalom and then he, he asks a second kasha, which is a great kasha, a fascinating kasha. And the kasha is, he says, by Avram Avinu, when he davened for Sodom. So what did he daven? He davened for 50 tzaddikim, 45 tzaddikim, 40 tzaddikim, 30 tzaddikim, 20 tzaddikim, 10 tzaddikim. He didn't ask below 10 tzaddikim. Says, say Chazal, Rashi quotes it, why did he not ask for, for more than 10 tzaddikim? Is because, look, when Noyach was there, there, were, there was Noyach and his three sons and their wives, which gives you eight. And then you add the Rabbani Shalom, there's nine. And there wasn't enough to save the world. So that shows you that you need a minimum of 10 to save. So therefore, Avram didn't bother asking about 10. Says the Rachayim there wasn't enough. Who says? Nayach didn't daven. Why didn't Nayach daven? And how does Avram therefore learn from the fact that it didn't work, that it wouldn't work, maybe it would have worked if Noach had davened? Great question. Says the Rachayim HaKadosh. However, the answer is straightforward. And that is because when Hashem spoke to Noach, he said, I'm destroying the world. He didn't leave any room. He let it be known that it was decided in the eyes of Hashem to destroy. He didn't leave Noach room to daven. He said, the end of all flesh, I'm going to be destroyed. What room is there for tefillah? When Hashem spoke to Avram, he said, I want to go and see. What's going on with Sodom? Should I destroy them? Shouldn't I destroy them? So he gave Avram Avinu the clear impression that the jury was still out. 
So Avram Vinu steps in and says, hey, let me sway this decision. The same thing with Moshe Rabbeinu, says the Arachayim HaKadosh. Moshe Rabbeinu davened that Hashem shouldn't destroy the Jewish people when we committed the Egel Azov, when we created and worshipped the Egel Azov, the Chero Egel. HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, allow me and I'll let my anger flare against them and destroy them. So HaKadosh Baruch was clearly inviting Moshe Rabbeinu to intercede, as Chazal say. He wasn't saying it to him that it's final, that it's decided. But when it came to Noyach, when it came to Noyach, Hashem said it with finality. Furthermore, says the Erechaim HaKadosh, why did Hashem even tell Avram that he was destroying Sodom? Was there any ask of Avram in the destruction of Sodom? Zero. Avram was saved automatically because Sodom was destroyed. Avram wasn't destroyed. Why is he even telling him about it? The only reason why he'd be telling him about it, says the, says, says the Arachayim HaKadosh, is because he wants him to act. He wants him to intercede. Right? When HaKadosh Baruch Hu destroys, is ready, heaven forbid, to destroy the world, why is he telling him? Because he's inviting his input. However, when it came to Noyach, he had to tell him because he had to build the Teva. So therefore, he didn't take it, Hashem's telling me because he's inviting me to Davin. He wasn't inviting him to Davin. So says the Rachaim HaKadosh, why did Noyach not Davin? It wasn't because he didn't care. It's because HaKadosh Baruch Hu told him it's a done deal. And the only reason why I'm telling you this is because I need you to do something else. Forget davening. It's a done deal. Don't bother praying. It's not going to make a difference. That's the way the Rachayim HaKadosh learns here in this Pasuk. And he says that's why Avram Avinu learned from this. And he said the reason why Hashem didn't leave any room for Nayak to daven was because there weren't ten tzaddikim. If there had been ten tzaddikim, then he wouldn't have said it so absolutely. And he would have left room for Noyach to daven. So therefore he could learn from him what would be. Now this Arachayim HaKadosh is amazing. It's amazing because again, it goes against what Chazal generally said, which was that Noach could have davened and should have davened. In fact, it's even against what Rashi says. Why? Because the way the Arachayim HaKadosh is making it sound is that Hashem saying it as an absolute. If tefillah doesn't help, then tshuva doesn't help either. I mean, it's an absolute. If it's an absolute, that means that they don't have a chance to change their mind. Why did he give them all this time? Arachayim HaKadosh is going out on his own way to say that there was an absolute gezeira, an absolute decree here that couldn't have been changed by tshuva and couldn't have been changed by tefillah. He's not going to be able to explain that the reason why Noach built a teva was in order to get people's attention so they would do tshuva because, again, tshuva wouldn't help. Rabbeinu Bachya also asks the question. He says, V'kan ha'ben sho'el. And here the child asks. Now where does it say V'kan ha'ben sho'el? The, the Rabbeinu Bachya is being quote-unquote clever. Right? It's a Mishnah in Psachim. When it describes the Seder, right? So then Moizin like Kasheni, they pour the second cup, the Kana Ben Shail, and here the child asks. Says Rabbeinu Bachya, there's an obvious question here. Vakana ben Shoel is a way of saying it's an obvious question. Since Nayak was such a tzadik, why didn't he daven for his contemporaries? Like Avram Avinu, as soon as he told him what was going to happen to Sadaim, he davened for them repeatedly. This was the way of the early ones and of the prophets. They approached to Hashem to daven for their contemporaries. And so every leader should daven for his generation. Says the Rabbi Nubachi, the answer is, it wasn't because he was rebellious. It wasn't a failure. But it was because he knew that it takes a minion. Right? It takes a village. It takes a minion. You need to have ten. And there were less than ten. 
And therefore, he said, it doesn't pay to daven. And that's why Avram Avinu stopped davening at 10. Because he knew that with less than 10, it isn't going to happen. And furthermore, says, he says, is that here they were given a tremendous opportunity of 120 years of warning. It wasn't like Sodom, where the Malachim came there that day, and they were destroyed the next day. So therefore, um, therefore, that's another reason. Don't daven for their salvation. Get them to do tshuva. That had to be the focus of Nayach. That's a very different approach. But the first approach, he says, is he couldn't daven because he knew there weren't more than he and his family. There weren't ten tzaddikim. Now that is something which is found in the Zayar HaKadosh. That's sourced. But he as well is taking the approach that there was no failure of Noyach here in doing this. Now, on a Pesach theme, I'll share with you a very, very subtle and beautiful thing that the Shalom HaKadosh in the 16th century said. Unbelievable. He says that the She'ena Yedei Alishael the one who doesn't know how to ask of the Haggadah, he says, Zenoyach. That is represented by Noyach, who didn't know how to ask. What does that mean? He didn't know how to ask? He didn't know how to daven. He didn't know how to turn to the Rabbanu Shalom to ask him to do something different. Isn't that amazing? Right? Rabbeinu Bachya says, Vikana ben Shoyel. And, uh, and Rabbeinu Bachya says, She'enu Yedei Elisha. Noyach was the Einu Yedei Elisha. He didn't know how to daven for Bnei Dairai. And that approach is far more of a consensus approach found in Chazal. I should have included here before the quote from the Zayr HaKadosh, the Posuk in, in Yeshayahu Perek Nun Dalet, which we read as the Haftairah of Parshas Noyach, and we also read as Haftairah as one of the Sheva, Shiva Dinechemta of the seven Haftairahs of Consolation, the Haftira of Anyasa Aralainu Chama and uh, and there Akarish Baruch who refers to the waters of Noach. The name of this series that we're learning now is the waters of Noach. May Noach. I pray I promise I would never allow the waters of Noach again to cover the earth. And the question is why are these called the waters of Noach? They're the waters of everybody but Nayach. Right? Of course, simple pshat is the waters that happen in Nayach's lifetime. However, says Say Chazal, the reason why they're called the waters of Nayach is because it's his fault. He didn't daven. He didn't show concern for his generation to daven for them. And therefore, he was held accountable for them. He didn't daven for Bnei Daira. If you look here on your sheet, I mean, there are multiple quotes, but let's, let's read the Zayar Chodesh, which is in Hebrew. It's much easier than the other quote, which is from the Zayar in Parshas Neach, which is in difficult Aramaic. Tanu Rabbonan, Ma heishiv HaKodesh Baruch Lenech, Shiyotzeh Minatev Avra Kol Olam Chorev, Yitzchil Lifkai Solov, V'Omar. Rebbeinu Shalolam, he says when... I want, to know, I want you to know what Hashem responded to Noach. It's a long run-on sentence, so to speak. When Noach came out of the Teva and he saw the world destroyed, and he said, He saw the devastation. He said, You're called a merciful one. Why didn't you have mercy on your creatures? Hashem responded to him and said, Foolish shepherd, foolish leader, now you're talking. He says, you know, I gave you a whole long spiel. The world is going bad. It's going to be destroyed. Make for yourself a teva. You're the tzaddik. 
I started this whole long conversation to give you an opportunity to turn to me and to say, Rabbi Shalom, are you sure you have to do this? Maybe you could have mercy before the fact. You didn't think about the harm which was coming to the world. You instead built yourself the teva and you saved yourself. Now that the world is destroyed, you come and you plead to me. Too little, too late, man. And then he brought korbanas. And the korbanas were a kapora for himself and a prayer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu that he should never destroy the world again. So it was too late to save the world from destruction originally. But when we're going to see later in the Parsha that as a result of the Korbanas, Hashem says, ah, I'm not going to destroy the world again. It was because while it was too late to save the world from its initial destruction, it's never too late. The tefillah was Niskabil. Now Noach was davening Hashem, I've seen destruction, please Rabbi Hashem, let it never happen again. So writes the Zayar. And now listen to the Zayar Chodesh's follow-up comment. Come and see the difference between the subsequent righteous of the Jews and between Noach. Noach didn't protect his generation and pray for them like Avram. When Hashem told Avram about Sodom, Miyad immediately vayagish Avram vayoymer. Avram Avinu rushed forth and he prayed. Here he said so much to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. If there would be just ten tzaddikim, he would f- f- forgive the whole generation. A- Avram thought that there would be ten. And that's why he didn't daven anymore. Okay, this is what this Zayar says. He thought there were for sure would be ten, and that's why he stopped davening. Fascinating. Moshe Rabbeinu came to protect the generation. Hashem said to Moshe, they sinned, terrible, immediately, we say it every fast day, and Moshe Rabbeinu pleaded with Hashem. He prayed until until he was sickened. Moshe Rabbeinu went so far and to say, if they don't go, erase me from your book. He gave up his life in this world and in the next world for the sake of the Jewish people. All righteous people, they protected their generation, they didn't allow judgment to reign. But Noach, HaKadosh Baruch who spoke with him extensively, giving him a chance to daven, and he didn't. And he made a teva, he made a teva, for himself and for his family, and the rest of the world was destroyed. And uh, the, um, what's that? It's any difference because by the, by the top time, he had, uh, Noah would, would have had to pray for the entire world. But by Abraham, it's just a few cities, just Sodom and, and outlying cities. And it, Why is that different? You're right, it's a difference. But what's the difference? Why wouldn't you pray for the whole world? So you should pray for the whole world. I don't know how people can get in, able to think that there's going to be, not going to be 10. Maybe Noah did think that there was Okay. So, 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 somewhere in the whole world, there's right. 10 people. So, this, this is, this is, this is the, this is the, the issue. Right? What Rabbeinu Bachya said, knew there wasn't 10, that's why he didn't daven. That's a big chiddush. It's a big, whole wide world. But let's accept it for now. The Zayar says it, possibly. That's that approach. But what this Zayar is saying is, no, 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 no. You pray. And you keep praying, and you try praying. Oh, if uh, Avram Avinu stopped praying at 10, it was only because Avram Avinu thought for sure there were, there were 10. But otherwise, he would have kept praying. 
You pray, you pray, and you keep trying. You have to worry about your generation. Now tell me something. Yes? Uh, when King Zidifahu uh, was told by the Nabi that he was going to die and that he prayed for Yudhishthira, um, was there in, like, an opportunity? Was it given as a final decree or was it given as a little bit of an opening? It, it doesn't sound like he's given any opening. He said, You're going to die, you're not going to live. Now, one, one could say, okay, so there again, that's a proof against the Rachaim HaKadosh. It's from there that the Gemara says that even if the sword is across the neck, the executioner's sword, and he's not inviting any, still pray. So again, that the Rachaim HaKadosh would say that Hashem said it definitively, and therefore there's nothing to talk about, you are correct to note that that's a surprise because of that Gemara. The Gemara says, never stop. It's a big chiddush to say that the, what the Rachaim HaKadosh says. And again, Chazal don't say it. Chazal don't say it. It's a very big chiddush. The assumption in Chazal is absolutely that there should have been prayer. And it's a comparison of Noach to the others that he didn't. A person has a choice in life the choice in life is they can worry about themselves and build a teva for themselves and their family or they can try to heal and improve the whole world. And the tzaddik prays for the whole world. Doesn't just pray for himself. I've mentioned before, and we'll mention again, and we mentioned this Rabbeinu Yoyna, when a person davens, the, 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 the Arizal says, what's he supposed to do originally? At the beginning, rather, He's supposed to say, I accept by myself the mitzvah Why? You're davening to Hashem. Say you're the mitzvah of loving Hashem, of serving Hashem, loving your fellow man. The first tefillah that the Torah records, the first shachris, was Avram Avinu davening for Sodom. Not for himself, but for somebody else. And that's an expression of the worry for somebody else. And that's the difference between the tzaddikim of Yisrael and Noyach. So if we go back and we say, why was Noyach not effective in getting the world to do tshuva? What's the answer to that question? Are you sure that the answer to that question was because he had a poor tool? Maybe it's, maybe it's easier to get somebody to do tshuva if you care about them doing well. Is it possible that the same person who prays for him will be more likely to get them to turn around? I'm not talking about because of the mystical value of prayer. That's for sure true as well. But how about the fact that they just care about them, period? So we're not finished. As we said, we're never finished. But um, for now, that's our discussion for today. Again, the question was, why build a teva? Well, aren't there many other ways? One answer, he needs a rarefied atmosphere. Why does he have to build it? Second answer, Rashi, to call attention to his generation that they should do tshuva. Remarkable, striking, because he didn't get any of them to do tshuva, which left us with that other question. Third approach was, let's reduce the miracle. Let Noach do it. And we talk about let it be something which is created by man. Let it be in the hands of man. And then we ask, okay, but that's what Noach did. What did Noach not do? He didn't daven. So some said he was not indicted for not davening. But the opinion, the broader opinion of Chazal is may Noach, that he is significantly indicted for not davening. Okay. I think it's especially worthwhile now. I just said over this, this uh, thing about on Erev Shabbos in a talk uh, you know, in my other job. And, and uh, you know, that was for people to consider that you know, we daven every Shabbos. When we daven publicly, we daven for the Malchus. We daven for the kingdom. We daven for everybody. And the Rishonim say, Rabbeinu Yonah writes, because the way of a righteous person is not such as to daven for themselves. When you're davening for the government, it's not because you don't want the rioters to come to your neighborhood. It's because 
You want society to be healthy. You have to worry about everybody, says Rabbeinu Yain. And uh, certainly, when they're, heaven forbid, facing destruction, that should be a mandate of concern. And if Neach was ineffective at saving the world, maybe it's because he wasn't so motivated to. It's a great question. It's a great question. A Kaddish Baruch Hu gives you a mitzvah to destroy Amalek, so why don't why why we not daven? So it brings us, you know, it, 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 there's a difference when a Kaddish Baruch Hu says, "I'm giving you a mitzvah to destroy." Arguably, there a Kaddish Baruch Hu is saying that's the shorash hara, that's the beginning of evil, and you can't do anything. You know, there are people who hold Avram Avinu to task. It's really. I hate to say, it's just, it's just astounding to me that someone could say this. They say, you know, I don't get it. When Avram Avinu was told about Sodom, he davened. When Avram Avinu was told by Hashem, take your son, your only son who you love, Yitzchak, and take him to Eretz HaMariah and bring him up as a korban, Avram Avinu didn't daven that, Avram, that Yitzchak should be spared. What's wrong with Avram? Some even go so far, I, I, I hesitate to even repeat it, to say, oh, so it was a negative thing of Avram, that he didn't daven that Yitzchak should be spared. That negative thing is the one schus that we invoke every Rosh Hashanah. On the Yom Adin, that Akedas Yitzchak, Lazara Yom Barachmim Tiskar. Avram did nothing wrong. What's the difference? The difference is, that Hashem gave Avram a commandment. And when Hashem gives Avram a commandment, you don't pray to say, no, 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 I'd rather, I don't want to do that. Hashem, please may I not have to do that commandment? Noach was going to build the Teva, but he could have prayed, I'll build the Teva, no problem. But don't destroy the world. I'll, I'll, I'll build the Teva, I'll get people to do tshuva. Help, help, that it should be, that salvation should come. When Hashem gives, tells Avram about Sodom, He didn't give him an instruction that Avram bucked. He said, this is what I'm thinking about doing. So Avram says, you're talking to me, I'm going to talk to you. But a commandment, you don't turn back. Amalek is a commandment. Amalek is a commandment. It's not a narrative. And because evidently, Amalek is the root of evil that we understand is unchangeable. Okay, I have to go, and it's been a pleasure being together and seeing you and learning with you. Thank you, Rabbi.